You're listening to the Three Angry Giant Fans Podcast for Big Blue Maniacs Everywhere with your hosts Scott, Giant Mike, and Cardone. Listen free on Buzzsprout, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Secondary near the Washington sideline. That was Dexter Lawrence who came across early. And now a 43 yard try for the win. Good snap, good hold. Kick is good. Washington. Well, in all of its bad glory, as we relive it again, is the replay of the missed field goal. And, well, wait a minute. There's a penalty and the re-kick. So, uh, the WFT, Washington football team, pulls a WTF moment there. Or what, what I called the bullshit moment of the game. There's a million of them. I mean, you can go to the obvious flag on that we'll get into all this stuff guys i don't know where you guys want to start we probably we were just well, talking I about s- how we should have done this on on five minutes after the game but i, th- I still uh, think there's enough anger still festering to, to still uh come up with a pretty decent uh hour's worth of uh time here tonight yeah, yeah so for our listeners we are the the three angry giant fans this is your host scott giant mike and cardone uh we are coming to you actually earlier than normal it's monday night so peyton and eli are actually doing a game right now um but we we couldn't wait we we actually wanted to go on earlier this weekend we probably should have i'm still angry uh but before going over the mistakes uh let's look at the, at the impact of some of those calls you know i mean we had a a hold on cj board that took four points off the uh off the scoreboard. And, and I'm telling you what, that was not a hold. That was a textbook block by a wide receiver. We had the BS call on, on Dexter Lawrence. That actually was the direct result of, of, of losing. And if you watch that replay, what I loved is, is Lawrence Tynes put out a tweet showing that he got the, the giants have actually gotten informed by the league that it was an incorrect call. So you got to love that, especially after watching oh. Dallas yesterday, being given a ton of calls. Yeah. Well, that makes me feel so much better. Uh, I didn't know about that. I didn't know we got the league apology. Never mind that. I'm I'm not angry anymore. No, <laughs> I got a fucking filing cabinet full of these apologies going all the <laughs> way back to the 2002 wild card game, the most infamous one that we've received. We have a whole stack of these things. Oh yeah, yeah. File them, man. I I don't know. You know the the thing about the last play was I I just sort of laughed when they threw the penalty. And the reason was because I was already mad. I I was already mad. And I don't know if I would have been a bunch different tonight. If that miss kick stands, there is so much that happened wrong in that game. Now, only because it was Washington, should we somehow have won? Because that's what we do. We beat Washington. Um, But really, just the amount of things that happened in that game, mostly on defense. I'll tell you guys, I'm probably going to have a couple of unpopular optimistic things to say about the offense tonight, but I'm mostly just really, really angry about the defense. And and when your defense is, is playing like that, if you don't get those calls, it's a disaster. And and this is what we've, we've seen play out, um, you know, over, over this, over this last week and really over the last decade. Uh, but you know, I don't know. I, I guess they say you gotta be good to get calls, but, um, 
you know, I don't know. How do you get good if you never get calls? Well, and I don't, I, I really don't buy that. You know, you hear the whole cliche that, you know, bad, bad teams can't overcome bad calls and, and things like that. And, and, and we'll get into what bad teams do wrong. Cause we did a, a lot of things wrong in this game that, that a bad team does, but you know, I look at this trend around the league, every game drives are extended on bullshit calls. There was one last night on a legal contact play. And this was one where literally a receiver never broke stride and a defender touched his waist as he went by and and ran stride for stride for him. And in real time, the ref threw the flag. It was an automatic first down for Baltimore. There was nothing that impeded that play. And I, I just go back and I say, why, why are we not just saving our calls for the blatant stuff that's impacting plays? Did, did Dexter Lawrence move quickly? No. If, if you watch that replay, he does not, he's not off sides, but, but furthermore, who throws a flag and says that that deserves to be called in that game winning kick. If you looked yesterday, the Vikings missed a game winning kick against Arizona, no call there. And then there was a game winning kick, of course, by Dallas. Uh, you know, no, nothing, nothing there to call. You just let the kick go. Why the hell can't we let that happen with Washington? And and, and we can get into that Dallas game because I don't know if you saw, guys saw the Dallas game. The Dallas Dallas was given a shitload of calls. They they took two TTs off the board from San Diego. They uh, we could get into this too later, but this bullshit taunting penalty that the NFL has instituted is just going crazy. They're calling taunting on everything these days. It, 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 why, why give the ref something more subjective to call when they're already calling a bunch of shit on third down, like defensive holding and, and people wonder why the games are 33 to 32. It's not exciting. It's manufactured by the, by the refs. It it's is all bullshit. It's all bullshit. The, the officiating is bullshit. Uh, what two things? Let's let's stay on the Dexter Lawrence play just for a moment, guys. The two things that stood out in my mind, and we have talked about it on this podcast a number of times. Suppose there's no flag on that field goal. Again, is anybody on the Washington sidelines screaming and barking and cursing at the official? Oh come on, he's off. He's in the neutral zone. He jumped. Can't you see? He made. He didn't make contact with anybody. He didn't come flying. It wasn't, it wasn't obvious to the naked eye from any angle, which, by the way, my second point that I was pissed off about that fucking play is that where's the camera right down the line of scrimmage to show that Lawrence is absolutely across that line of scrimmage when that ball is snapped? Because the flag we, was thrown from the back judge. How in the hell can that back judge see if Lawrence is across that line when that ball is snapped? He can't. There's no way. There's you know, no way he can see that. There's not funny. The funniest thing is you see Dustin Hopkins, he's got the head hanging afterwards. He's not like going pointing hey, exactly. this guy jumped off sides. No, he's yeah. he's he's no. like, oh, I, I missed a I missed a field goal. Damn it. Yeah. Nobody reacted, guys. Nobody on the nobody reacted on it the Washington not, side. On the field or on the sidelines. Any stretch of the imagination, it is not the back judge's responsibility to call off sides. There's he's in the worst position on the field to call off sides. I mean, I don't know you, who to be pissed off at, <laughs> you know, it's, it, it doesn't, it, it, it defies common sense. Part <laughs> of me is so pissed off at Dexter Lawrence for like even hinting at moving. Like, what are you going to do? Like, are you really thinking you're going to get to block the field goal, Lawrence? You're right over the ball. You know, like just, how are you moving? 
But but that's the thing, you know, you know, and, and here's the thing. It drives the narrative, Chris. So like even in your case, you're like Dexter Lawrence is an undisciplined guy. Why? He didn't commit a penalty. And this is what I hate. The narrative that we're left with is the Giants are an undisciplined team. No, the Giants were called for a bullshit penalty that now lets people talk about the Giants as being an undisciplined losing team. Yeah. Yeah, so that, there's that point, which is excellent, Scott. And if you even go back and, and look about look at the uh, the block that called the touchdown back. So, you know, later in that game, of course, they go Giants miscues, and that's a giant miscue. He didn't do anything wrong, but now it's a giant miscue. You know, I don't, that could be a pet peeve. I might file that one away, the, the miscues. But so many things occurred in this game that it's hard to even, like, I can't even chronologically like no. go through them. You know, no, we I, have I to tried. We, exactly. We have to dissect as I was trying to digest this incredible, inexplicable, relentless loss. I just call it now we're in a stage of relentless losing is what I'm referring it to the, you know, this is, we are now superseding the 1970s for anyone that's even remotely old enough to remember that era of football where, where it's worse. Because yeah. because that, that team was just bad, you know, from talent wise, this current era of New York Giants football, we have some talented players. We have what we think are some decent coaches. So how this team can manage to lose inexplicably the way this is happening. This is beyond comprehension at this point, guys. There's like an, a there's a force that's like not allowing yeah. the Giants to win anymore. I can't yeah. even explain it. We can do X's and O's all we want and, and talk about play calling this and that. This is beyond, this is a, a different stratosphere of what's taking win. place. Win, you shall not. Exactly. <laughs> was that a good Yoda accent, by the way? No, that, that oh, was the accent. <laughs> we keep trotting them out there week in and week out. <laughs> I could, if, if I was a listener, I'd be giving the finger to, to us right now. If I was listening <laughs> to the accents. So, I mean, so let, you know, let's, let's, let's go back though, to the sequence. So I had a buddy text me after the Bradbury interception. He's like, wow, you guys finally escaped. And I said, I'm not celebrating yet. And it, yeah. you know, of course my buddy's a lions fan. And after the game, he texts me and says, wow, that's the lions way to lose. Uh, but if you look at that sequence after the Bradbury interception, that's where I go back to me. In, in in this day and age, it's 2021, you're a bad team. What do bad teams do? Bad teams don't win games. So what are you supposed to do there? You get the ball. There's over two minutes left. Washington has all their timeouts left. Don't force them to waste their timeouts and get under the two-minute warning. Go for the juggler. Get the touchdown. Put the game out of reach. And that just to me, it's, it's terrible. It's a lack of, of guts or awareness. You know, you have to, they, we didn't use an RPO once in that sequence. We ran Barkley twice into the middle and then we tried a third down pass. It was short of the sticks to me. That whole sequence is unacceptable. I don't know if that's on Garrett. I don't know if that's on judge, but what I do know is that what we did is what a losing team does. A losing team settles for three points, knowing that in the best case scenario, Washington's still going to get the ball with two minutes left and no timeouts just to go 40 yards for, for a field goal. Oh, Scott, this might surprise you because of my text during the game, but I agree with you. Um, my gut reaction, you know, going back 20 years, 30 years, being a football fan, my gut reaction there is make them use their timeouts, get it under two minutes. And knowing the way the rest of that game had played out and in retrospect, and this wasn't really a retrospect as in I'm now you know, now that didn't work out for us. So now I'm against it. But 
we both, everyone in the world knew when the Giants kicked that field goal with what the final score was going to be. It was, yeah. it's over. And looking at it and, and knowing, like you, you brought it right up at the beginning, and it's, it's a really, really good point on this. This is not that league. They're, you're not going to line up and run three times up the middle for 11 yards. You got to throw the ball. And, um, you know, I, I ate some crow on that, uh, because as soon as the, you know, they did that, the old run, run pass, but you know, just exactly what everyone knows coming. So if you're going to commit to running there on the first two downs, run on third down, what the hell? I mean, you are by running twice and getting nothing and then throwing an incomplete pass. That's the worst possible scenario. You've given them the two minute warning and a timeout. I mean, you you've done exactly what they want you to do because once you intercept that pass, you've got the field goal that's in your pocket. They, they already know that, you know, it's, I, I agree with you. I didn't at the time uh, in retrospect and looking back at it and think it, and of course, because it didn't work. Um, I uh, I agree with you now, and that was just a gut reaction from, you know, uh, Jumbo Jumbo Elliott and uh, Joe Morris, and you, you don't even need a touchdown there, Mike. I mean, we could have gotten a first down, first run down. run an RPO, get a first down. They blow all their timeouts. Worst case scenario, there you kick the field goal, you give the ball back with maybe thirty seconds left. First, yeah, down. that's that's fine. Yeah. Was, you know, I was just about to say that, Scott. I was just about to say. And that's in that scenario, in that situation, I'm thinking in my head, I'm thinking like might not even need to score a touchdown. One first down and a chip shot field goal probably wins that game. Yep. We're you know, I, I don't remember exactly how much time, you know, f- figuring out the clock, how, what, what Washington would have had left. But I kept thinking the whole time, one first down. And I'm thinking, don't come out and do, don't be conservative. Daniel Jones has been running wild all night. You know, keep it up. Keep being aggressive. Go and win the game. And what did we see? Lose it, exactly what we're talking about. Conservative. All of a sudden, they go back into the cage, and they put Daniel Jones back into his cage, and and decide to just try to go conservative and play not to win. That's yeah, what, what do did. you what do you risk there by running an RPO? You nothing. literally risk nothing. Jones either hands the ball off or he keeps it. There's there's nothing there to 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 risk. To Mike's point, you already have the short field goal. As soon as Bradbury makes the interception, you're in field goal range and sh- and and short field goal range. And the way Gano is kicking, you know, the guy's making everything right now. So what's the problem? Right away, that's where Joe Judge and Jason Garrett. Let's go fucking win this game right now. That's it. Go yeah. win the game. We got. To, we beg. We beg for those turnovers. We got. I wrote down all the things that we beg for as Giant fans. In in we got them all in one game. We got it all. We got the turnover. At the end of the game, the devastating turnover and can't cash in. We got the wide open receiver, and I know we'll get to all these things, but and, and we can't hit Darius Slayton. Either the, the ball was just a tiny bit overthrown, but Slayton is, should be hauling that in. We get that. We get the blown coverage. We get the amazing uh, read, you know, run play by, by Jones. Oh, there's a horseshit CJ board holding call, which, again, is not an obvious call to anybody watching that game at the time. We also get, and then we get to top it all off. We get a missed field goal, which we never get. We get a fucking offsides <laughs> yeah. on a special teams play. Yeah. We just listed five things that we we begged for. We got yep. him in one half. We got we got another thing, uh, Chris, that you've been begging for. We got tempo, and we got that yes, that first. Which I'm glad you brought that up, Mike, because we can we're going to touch on all these things because with that, as excited as I was on that first drive. 
seeing the tempo, really the Giants all night offensively was tempo. And then, you know, the, the, the read option by Jones all night, which was working all night. Washington could not figure it out. My first thought was, hey, this is great, but where the fuck was that on Sunday against Denver? Where was that? How come all of a sudden, four days later, not even a week later, all of a sudden now we're, we're, we, open, we turn to page two in the playbook? It's bullshit, guys. It's, it's bullshit. I think it's clear it's, that they listened to the podcast uh, last week. <laughs> Mike, it, you know what it is? It's, it's a couple th- It's just it's bad game planning. It's just bad game planning. That leads me to believe that I, I'm going all the way back to Denver in week one now, which is, you know, I could go as far. It's, it's they didn't have a game plan. At least Thursday night offensively, they had a game plan and it showed and it worked. Now, defensively, let's get into that about this team being back to the defense that was sucking and that where they can't get off the field. And we're, we're, and we're back to that on the defensive side of the ball. I don't know where you guys want to go next, but well, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what infuriated me about the defense is, is so the defense has been dinking and getting dinked and dunked all year long, except when you have to make them forced to, to have a long drive. What do they do? They go down in two plays. One McKissick does a wheel route that somehow Tay Crowder misdiagnoses. And then the second one, and, and you know, Dory Jackson, I don't even blame him on that one. He was there for coverage. It was a beautifully thrown pass by Heineke. It was a great catch by the receiver. Touchdown, but two plays, 73 yards to answer a, a Gano field goal to, to put Giants up by six. So there the Giants are, down by one now, having to drive to, to win the game. And we, we, you know, and then the sequence was we punted, then got the interception, blah, 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 blah. The two-play drive just shoved down our throat. It's amazing with this giant team sometimes. You can't even – a six-point lead, still very precarious. But in that situation, I'm thinking, all right, got some momentum. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm standing in the living room, my hands on my knees. Like, let's get, you know, let's get a stop defense. Let, let, let's get a three and out maybe. Two-play drive. You're right back down on the couch just absolutely just getting it shoved down your throat. This team's impossible, guys. It, they're, it's, they're impossible. And, and yeah. you know what? There, there were, there were bright spots on the defense. You know, I mean, the, the interior of the line still is holding up. Well, we're, we're, they can't run up the middle. You're not seeing the sacks from Leonard Wilson, Leonard Williams yet, but he's getting the pressures. Ojolari got his second sack of the year and two games. But what, what's killing me is, is this soft coverage guys. We got two good covers cover corners. Why are we playing 15 yards off these guys and allowing passes at seven, eight yards? And they're just easy completions. I don't, I don't get why we don't put our five best cornerbacks out there, press and just let the dice roll where they go. Third down is driving me insane. And, and we look good on paper on third down this week. And but the thing, and Cardone brought it up last week, and I've, it's something I've never considered in football before. And now I'm all over it. Is now again, Washington's two for two on fourth down in that game. We are playing too soft on third down. Even if we're stopping them, we're putting him in a position to go for it on fourth, uh, fourth and very short, usually. The, the defense in this game gave up drives of 13, 11, 10, 10. You know, you're doing great. As an offense, if you get four freaking drives of over 10 plays in a game. Um, and then, of course, the one that really hurt was the two-play drive, which you just brought up. Th- this defense can't get off the field, can't close a game. We got very lucky that for some freaking reason, Riverboat Ron is throwing 
<laughs> with Taylor Heineke in that situation. And it's a dream. And Bradbury getting the interception, you know, again, it's a coach coaching poorly against us. And 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 we actually make them pay. But in the long run, it still works out for them. It just still you can if, if I'm a coach playing the Giants, I will call anything. <laughs> I, I would call. I would I would not. I'd say, punter, don't get even on the bus this week. We're just, I, I will call anything in my playbook. I was cursing at Bradbury all night. Just just what we're talking about that ten yard cushion, and then it, actually on the on the McLaurin touchdown, I DVR'd it and wound and, and, and watched it about three times. Bradbury is still backpedaling while he's in the fucking end zone. Like, what are you preventing, Bradbury? <laughs> Certainly didn't have his best game. And we're playing these, these guys are playing a soft zone all over the place against Taylor Heineke as if yeah. he's Tom Brady with this precision laser razor sharp, you know, accuracy. And, and Heineke played well, nothing against Heineke because he's an NFL quarterback. Guess what? NFL quarterbacks, they can throw to open guys when they're not covered. Absolutely. Shit, the three of us could probably do that. You know, like you, I can drop back and like, you know, uh, probably uh, do a dink and dunk if the guy's just not going to be covered. If an <laughs> NFL secondary is just not going to cover people. And then I, I was just, thinking at the end of the game, I'm like, oh my God, Bradbury, like you actually are going to like save the game and everything you, you made up for it in one play by, had, you know, he made a great instinctive read and on that interception and we still can't close out the game. It's can't bananas. Close it out. Well, and you, and you, you know, you, you've been complaining, Chris, about uh, not having a plan on offense. You know, what's, what's the game plan? Well, I'm that way on the defense. So this is two weeks in a row. Now we have let quarterbacks sit back and carve us up rather like, all right, maybe with Bridgewater, the guys, you know, he's He's going to avoid pressure. Taylor Heineke, bring the house at him. You, you know, you know what quarterbacks don't like being thrown off their spot. They don't like being pressured and having to move and, 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 and make a play. Yeah. Make him do that. If he, if he's just going to sit back there and pick apart a soft zone, throw the kitchen sink at him. What's he going to do that? Is he going to throw one of those David Carr back foot balls that, that Henry Ruggs runs under? I don't think so. I think he's going to get sacked. We saw it actually on the next left last drive on the one that they were bailed out on, on a bad penalty against the giants for defensive holding, but you saw where Taylor Heineke ran out of the pocket. He did almost like an Eli slide where he fumbles the ball as he's trying to go forward. I think I don't these coaches got, yeah, no, I think it's, it's the mindset of, well, it's Tanner, it's Taylor Heineke. Eventually he's going to make a mistake. It's like the giant coaching staff is just like, well, it's, it's Heineke, right? He's going to, he's going to make a mistake. No, you force him to make a mistake by applying pressure and blitzing. And how about, how about, have we seen a stunt from the giant defense? Anybody do we send, remember we used to do cornerback blitzes back in the day. I mean, where is the defensive creativity? Yeah. Offensively, there's some obvious things sometimes, you know, but there was a game plan. I love how the fact that the giants can't put a game plan collectively together in all three phases of the game. Oh, Hey, we came out with a good offensive game plan defensively. Nothing, nothing on Thursday night. Nothing. We're just expecting Heineke to make a mistake. If I'm any quarterback, and I'll tell you what, one of one of the players I respect least in the NFL is Matt Ryan. I've, I've never thought much of Matt Ryan. I am fucking terrified of Matt Ryan right now. <laughs> of course. 
because any quarterback playing against that defense is going to be Joe Montana. And, and you, there's, it, we've just got to come out with something different. You know, I don't know. I, I don't know. You know, I've just watched the game through like blood red eyes last week. I don't know if it's, we're not blitzing enough. I don't know if we're, or not, we're playing soft coverage. It, it looks like all of it. You just, you got to do something. If you're not going to come after the quarterback, then you've got to cover these guys tightly. You know, it's, it's infuriating. It is infuriating to watch these quarterbacks. So here's the word. So freaking comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So comfortable. And this isn't this year. I mean, last year, you know, we almost lost a game to a Cincinnati backup. I don't even know his name. Uh, Finley, right? Brian Finley. Finley. Brian Finley. Yeah. yeah. So, I, I mean, we just, we never, we, uh, Cardone's right. We get up against a quarterback that maybe the coaching staff doesn't think much of, and they just decide we don't need to rush him. We're just going to drop back into these zones and pick off passes some magic way because they're this, not going to throw it to the wide open guy. They're, this has been going on forever, guys. It, it feels like it's been going on forever. And did anyone notice on the game winning field goal drive, Patrick Graham, I forget what down it was to be honest, guys, because I, 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 I was too disgusted to go back and look. He fucking managed to slip it a three man rush on one of those plays. I forget which play it was. It was like early in the drive. And I'm thinking to myself, don't do it. Don't do it. And sure enough, there's a three man rush this, slipping this, it in. It's insane. You, you know what bullshit. play? Oh, go ahead, Scott. No, I was gonna say, you know what play infuriated me on that last drive was it's fourth down. You know they're gonna run the ball, and he had a three-man front standing up at that point, and it's like just pack the line and either force them to 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 change the, the play at the line of scrimmage or something. But you know they're just gonna hand the ball off to get that one yard on fourth and one. How about that fourth and one for a second? The Giants to me as, a, as a pre-snap. You can just, they were just completely, the word I used was, they were just disinterested in stopping this fourth down. Disinterested. The game was over if you make a stop there. And they completely just like, ah, fuck it. We'll just, it's it's fourth and inches. We can't stop this. So let's just go in our base defense. Like you said, Scott, they didn't stack the line. They didn't do anything. What do you think Washington's doing there on fourth and inches? And the Giants, they had, they showed no interest in, but even remotely stopping that play. Why? Now look, right, I've played right. Tecmo, the answer to that. I played Tecmo Bowl a couple of times. <laughs> I would I would have stacked the line right there and played press man on the corners. And, and, and all you need to do is stop. You know they're gonna hand it off to McKissick. Yeah, that's all the, that's the only play there. That or a sneak from Heineke. I don't know, man. I, I mean, we used to play uh like football when we were little kids my brother my and one of my my best friends we used to we used to get down on all fours like you had to cross the line going from the kitchen to the carpet you know what i mean like we and like fourth and inches we had like a little nerf ball and we're down in like you know four we're, we're down the four point stance any giants doing that uh, no 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 they're just standing That's, around just like yeah i'm in a four point stance in my fucking dining room trying to stop my friend from coming across the carpet this this thing that and it's not just Graham. A lot of NFL coordinators do this now, where they play soft until they cross like the forty. That yeah. that is stupid. <laughs> I, I mean, you're putting the game at that point into one play because once you you know concede to the forty, you're a one play away from losing that game if they need a field goal. Why would you do that? No, nope. I mean honestly, who really cares? If on the first play of that game or of that drive, Washington goes deep and hits one for a touchdown for 90 yards. Now we've got two minutes and timeout. You know, 
just just go down swinging just just once. I mean, like I said, I said this at the beginning and I didn't really get into it, but this is the truth. When Washington missed that first field goal, I sat there watching the TV. I said, I'm still pissed and I'm still going to roast this team because the fact that they got that kick off a 47 yarder in that situation from the time uh, Bradbury makes that interception, that pisses me off so much. The fact that they missed it is a fluke. And, you know, the Giants should be 0-2. And, and then, of course, I see the flag down. I just start laughing. I'm like, yeah, there we go. Now we are 0-2. Now I can be mad. You know, good good teams control their destiny. Bad teams let fate happen to them. You know, we saw that last night. The Ravens have a fourth and one at the 42 or whatever of their own 42. They know if they give the ball back to Mahomes there, he's going to drive down, probably get the game when he scores. What do they do? Yeah. They go yeah. for it on fourth down and they make it. They put yeah. the game away. A good team says, I'm going to either win or I'll lose going down swinging. Well, the, yeah. the Giants aren't doing that right now. And, and and this is what makes me mad about Joe Judge. Joe Judge, I almost feel like the shine's wearing off a little bit because this guy talks a great game. But when the balls, when he needs to show some balls, he, he keeps backing down and doing things like punting on fourth and two or or doing the conservative move of kicking a field goal. Go for it sometimes. You know, you're a losing team until you show otherwise. I'm at the point now, guys, exactly. Everybody is on the hot seat. Everybody, including Joe Judge. You know, we, we why would Joe Judge be safe at this point? You know, a certain opinion is like, well, you know, let's see. You know, he still, uh, you know, needs to prove himself. You know, I still think he's safe, you know, going into. Why? Why? What is Joe Judge? What To your point, Scott, what has he shown that this guy is a balls out, all out, win at any cost kind of coach that that this team desperately needs. I don't think he is. He's playing. He's coaches scared. He coaches conservative. He coaches timid. All the things that this Giants football team we're fed up with. Fed up. And and I think the problem we face now is that we're zero and two for yet another season, and everyone else in the NFC East is one and one, and we are already. You know, you know, we joked last year. How many times did we joke? Hey, we're only one game out of first place. I, it feels again like we're four games out of first place because of both the history of the last four years as well as the fact that we, we just lost a game that we should have won. Can't yeah. give those away. You look at our schedule after Atlanta and 0-2 is, is a awful detrimental i can't think of the word i'm looking for there but it's awful i mean we we had to be we had to be three and oh yeah when i look at the schedule now and when i you know we had well i will say that fourth game against new orleans looks a lot more manageable yeah that one looks like that one looks like one we could (laughs) maybe win i know guys but again james winston's gonna look like joe montana (laughs) i'm terrified of james winston well until we see different i'm back to the point again of like who we beating who I think it's time to finally accept that this they are in the top two, three, the worst team in the league. I don't it doesn't the guard the final score. I mean, it's yes, we were completely had that game one on Thursday night, but Atlanta coming in, it's just like, well, it's you know, Atlanta's a bad team. We're a bad team, you know, yeah. like Atlanta's an 0 2 team, their season's on the line, they're a desperate football team, they have Matt Ryan. They have like, 
What makes us think that we're just – I saw the Giants are favored by three. It's a fucking joke. How are they – how are they favored to beat anybody? Well, I think I think I go back to what Mike said earlier about, you know, he's he's always had a little disdain for Matt Ryan. You know, I've always hated That's that. Fair. The, I've hated that <laughs> Matty Ice moniker that he yeah, has. But, yeah, fine. But if you look yeah. at him, you have to pressure him. You have if this is a guy that you want to pressure out of the ones we've faced already, you gotta he's a statue back there. Put the heat on him. Look what Tampa did. Once Tampa started pressuring him, the guy the guy threw two pick sixes. And I'll yeah. tell you what. The, the, the guy that will kill us is that Cordell Patterson because he's he's the type of guy who will end up being like the, what do they call it, the Swiss Army knife or whatever. And mm-hmm. he's going to end up being, you know, taking some wildcat snaps. He's going to be the running back. He's going to be the wide receiver. Just lock him down and, and, and go after Matty Ice and we should win this game. And that's the thing. the You know, the offensive philosophy for me should be the same. Put the pressure on their D. Their D's terrible. Run the RPO. Get Galladay involved. You know, just, just, just take this game and and make it a fucking blowout. It's a home game. Win this game thirty to seven, and 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 take on New Orleans the following week. Eli's in the house. You can't lose it's, this. It's Eli's, yeah, it's just a retirement ceremony. You, you know what's weird though? Just add this to like just the again the the mystery and the inexplicable bullshit with this giant team. They play better on the road. I started thinking about this. The Giants, the Giants at home. Now, of course, there's still the advantage of being at home. I get it. But like, when was the last time the Giants put together like a good home game? I started thinking about that. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe last year they beat Dallas at the end of the year. But the Giants at home have been, I'd like to see that record. What in the world are the New York, New York football Giants at home versus the rest, rest of the NFL? I guarantee you. They got to be the worst in the league. Aside, again, who are we dealing with? Maybe Jacksonville, maybe the Jets. That's well, remember last. Remember last year, San Francisco had a better record at exactly. MetLife than the Giants and Jets uh, combined oh, yeah. for until uh, like this, week eleven. This Giant team, this Met Death Stadium, blow the fucking thing up and go back. I'd rather play. Go back to the Polo Grounds. Go back to Yankee <laughs> Stadium. Go back to the Yale Bowl. Bring back Giant Stadium. Go anywhere but this met death stadium i can't take it anymore stay they, they don't win there so so mike what do we have to do against atlanta to win and do you think we'll win i think we'll win um that's funny to just bitch for whatever however long <laughs> and say oh yeah we're, i think we're gonna win no i i think the giants will win because i think if they put that same game out there or something you know, they, it doesn't have to be even that good, I don't think, against Atlanta. But the, the one thing, and this is what I was talking about earlier when I said I'm going to say some unpopular positive things about the offense. The, the offense, to me, is coming together. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I was impressed with the offense. But anyway, speaking specifically about Atlanta, <clears throat> I, I think we just got to do the same types of things we did against Washington. We just can't, we can't shoot ourselves in the foot. You know, we got a 41-yard run. Uh, out of Barkley to the edge of field goal range. And we, then we take a timeout to avoid a delay a game. And then we're going to take another delay a game, but Thomas moved, which I don't, I think he moved because he saw the clock at zero. He's just like, well, you know what <laughs> yeah. the fuck they, they were not going to snap the ball. So that, you know, so we take back to back delay games basically. And then Jones gets sacked and we, and we freaking punt. We're not going to beat anybody doing that. You're not going to beat anybody doing that. So just consistency on offense. I, here's another positive, something we've been asking for, Cardone. We didn't turn the ball over. Yep. 
I was going to bring that up, Mike. I'm glad you did. Another stat, things that we begged for. Add that yeah. to the list. Now it's like six things. It's incredible. That's, yeah. what's, that's what I'm saying, guys. That's what's incredible, to have that many things go our way in one single game and still manage to come out with a one-point loss against Taylor yeah. Heineke. It's, it's, it's insult- I don't know what, what adjective could you possibly use to, to, to summarize this loss. There, aren't, there isn't one. You know, it's the little things, too, that I point out, too. You know, earlier in the game, Slayton made a very nice catch along the sideline to, to in, in the end zone to, to catch a touchdown. Then he obviously drops the the one right in his hands going when he's streaking. But if you remember, in the next to last possession, he has one on the sidelines where he can't drag the foot and uh, he yeah. catches the ball. Would have been a first down, but but he's out of bounds. Um and, and that's the thing. He stays in bounds on the touchdown pass, drops a touchdown pass, and then he can't keep – he can't do the drag. He can't do the drag. Now, granted, it, it was a very tough play, but that's the kind of inconsistency and infuriation that we face as Giant fans week in and week out. Yeah, on the Slayton thing, I, I, I'll say this. I texted it to you guys when it happened to I, – I think that's an amazing attempt to even get his hands on that ball by Slayton. I, I think that would have – if he caught that, that would have been an underrated catch. I know what it looks like, but if the thing I, you see that play a lot in the NFL, maybe not someone that wide open and the receiver kind of gives up on the ball. He knows it's too far. Slayton never gave up on that ball. He was going dead out and he had his arms at full extension. That that's tough. That That's a tough, that's an underrated, tough catch. I don't blame anybody on that play. I, I don't blame Jones. Jones was under some pressure. He tried to put some air under it and throw it out there. I, I think he threw it just a little too far. Um, again, not on him. He's just getting the ball out there, and, and he was under some duress. But uh, So I, I let Slayton go on that one a little bit. I, I think nine times out of ten in the NFL, you see that receiver pull up. He's got to make that catch. And, I, and the reason well, I say it, that is – Once it hits him in the hands, yeah. then, then you know that's going to be the, the opinion of everyone. But I, I just – I think that – my bad. son texted me a, a, a clip on Saturday of a college receiver bringing it in. And he said, this is what Slayton needs to do. Yeah, well. Exact same thing. He's running wild in the end zone. It's, it's two things. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just so New York Giant football, right? Where the ball is just a hair overthrown. You know what I mean? Like, it's not – you have an absolute receiver on an unbelievable island, which we beg for. We keep saying that. And it, the ball, as I see the ball, it's like my brain, as I see like the, the trajectory of the ball and then where Slayton is, I'm like, oh my God, it looks overthrown. Like, it, I don't, I think he missed him. And then you see it hit off Slayton's hands and it's a combination of both, right? It's a, it's, yeah, yeah. it's like two inches overthrown and Slayton's arms being just, you know, like just out of the grasp where it's just a, a perfect, you know, easy, you know, like catching a lazy fly ball in center field. You know what I mean? It's just enough out of his reach and overthrown. That's just giant football where it, it, anything they can do wrong, they do wrong. You know what I mean? It's just a combination it's not, of it's right. If it's not perfect, yep, it doesn't happen. Exactly. You know, it, it, that's kind of the, the feeling I had on that too. <sighs> I mean, I'm, I'm not saying he couldn't have caught it. You know, I'm just saying that would have been a tougher catch than I think people are. And th- are giving him credit for. And that's a 10-point lead there, guys. That's a 10-point oh, no, lead. No, no. That's the game. That's the game. And that's that's the seven, game. seven minutes left, I think. It was 20, right. It was 23 to 20. That would have made it. It was They go up 30-20 there. 
they win the game. I really feel like that the game is over. Two scores at that point. I was I, that's all I kept thinking about on that drive. I'm like, holy shit! If they don't punch it in and settle for three, and I, I don't even remember how, how far Gano's field goal was on that drive. Gano was awesome, by the way. I mean, if we yeah, want to talk about yeah. something. I mean, Graham Gano, the guy. If, if, if the only thing that I'm not pissed about is Graham Gano and his kicking right now. That's about it. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah, burn it down and start over. We'll take yeah. Gano. Let's, uh, let's let's not, I don't want to talk about any positive shit. Just the three angry giant fans. I don't want to talk about anything good. Uh, so what are your, all right. Like, uh, go to some other show. Let me ask you this for the next couple minutes. Well, first off, Andrew Thomas had another great game. Yep. Um, you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the gruesome injury. Nick Gates had Nick Gates, yeah. by the way, and this is another coaching decision. He got moved to guard for that game. And it's at guard where he breaks his leg, where if you kept him at center, Put Bredesen in, in at guard. We might have been able to save that from happening. Uh, nevertheless, that, you know injuries happen. But uh, I'll start with with Chris on this. You know, what what are your thoughts on Barkley? Uh, obviously, he's not a hundred percent. Should we be giving Booker more carries right now? Should we let Barkley walk work through this? He looked a little bit better. You know, he had a forty one yard run, like Mike said earlier. But uh, other than that, his other runs didn't that much. My my thought is this, Scott. If this is the NFL. If you're in the starting lineup and you're in the game, well, then I don't believe in any of this decoy bullshit. Like, then the guy should be getting more touches. He's still the most dynamic player in this offense, one of the most dynamic players in the league. I looked at his the stats, and again, he had two receptions for 12 yards. I We talked about this last week. Where is the screen pass to Saquon Barkley to get him outside the tackles, get him in the open space, get him in motion. Where is a wheel route? Where is a, a, a designed screen pass? I want to see more in the passing game from Saquon Barkley. 13 carries for 57 yards. That was his stat you know, with rushing. That's I can live with that. That's okay because Jones was running all over the place fine. Why in the world has Jason Garrett not been able to figure out he, why we to not get a screen pass, which is everybody in the league runs a screen pass. The Giants are the worst in the if they don't they're not even the worst because they don't even they don't even have that play in their playbook. <laughs> so I want Barkley, if you're out there, then play him at full capacity. Play him like he's 100% healthy. I don't give a shit if he's not at this point. I'd be honest, Scott. I don't care if he's not 100%. If he's 80, 90, then just give him the damn ball. Or or give it to him where he could get into, into open space somehow. How can we not figure that out? He Because when he's running, do you guys not agree? He doesn't look like he's running injured, does he? No, he doesn't. No, it's not noticeable. We're like, and Barkley, man, you know, he had a step there and he, he got caught from behind or it doesn't look like he can cut. No, he's doing all those things. To me, he does not look any different than the Saquon Barkley we saw up to the point he got injured. It looks no different to me. He looks like Saquon Barkley. So Absolutely. keep giving him the ball as much as we possibly can, but do it in a way where we can execute a, 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 a designed you know, plays for the guy. That's what I yeah. want to see. Yeah, I mean, you know, and you don't have to have Saquon Barkley or Christian McCaffrey to run screen passes. If you're True. afraid that the defense is sitting on him, run a damn screen pass to Booker. I, you <laughs> know, I, I mean, it's it, you know, the thing about McCaffrey, you know, obviously we see the Panther games living here. Um, that they, You can't tell me teams play McCaffrey and the Panthers any different than they play the Giants and Barkley. No. So why is McCaffrey able to run freaking wild? 
in, in his games coming off his injury. You know, he doesn't look like he's missed a step. He's The Panthers are targeting him uh, between runs and catches like 25, 22 times a game. Uh, I agree with Chris, and I and I said it last week. If he's if you're if he's on a pitch count, get him the hell out of there until he's not on a pitch count. I, I mean, I, I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense to me. We're playing 10 on 11. If if he's not able to carry the load, get him out of there. Give Booker 20 carries a game. I don't care. Um, it doesn't make any sense to me. If Barkley can't be Barkley, then who is he? Apparently, I, he's nobody. So get him out until he can be Barkley again. I think, Scott, you touched on this earlier, where the Giants continuously seem offensive. They they still do this straight dive in between the tackles. You can't move the ball against anyone in the NFL doing that on a consistent basis. The Giants, they don't do any misdirection. They don't do, like, any of the like, the counter tray. Remember Eli used to do that with, like, Brandon Jacobs? Like, the, the, almost like it's sort of like the old counter tray where, like, you kind of – you show your handing off the right and, and, he, and you, you go the opposite direction. There's no lineman pulling. When did – you don't see a pulling guard in this offense. The Giants – it's – we don't have – this is not the Dallas Cowboy offensive line of the early '90s, where we can just move people five, six yards off the down the line. But they you don't know, have that. You know what we can do, and it's very difficult to do this. Is we could run jet sweeps that lose seven yards. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. Take that crap out. Yeah. I don't know. Or something. I, I really don't know how on first and ten you can run a play and not have it be a holding call and end up with first and eight or second and eighteen. Mm-hmm. It, it, it defies logic to me when it's not a two consecutive weeks. Now I, two I'd rather weeks. get a holding call. At least we get the down over. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Mike, you guys got any pet peeves for this week? I, I got one that came up this week. Uh, I heard it. The reason it, it stuck with me, I heard it two or three times in college and in pro uh, football this weekend. And, and that's when the announcers sort of, um, you know, usually they do this with a new coach, you know, a guy who's been there and they say, uh, oh, he's, he's old school. This coach is old school. You know, he wants to run the ball and he just wants to be tough. You know, like there's some coach out there who's like, nah, I don't want to, I don't need to be tougher than the other team. I'm going to out finesse the other team. You know, like that's ever happened in the history of any football game ever. Like this idea mm-hmm. that some coaches come in and they're different because, oh, this guy's old school. He wants to run the ball. He wants his team to be tough. You know, oh, really? No shit. Every every coach on every level of all time has wanted their team to be tougher than the other freaking team. It's it's stupid that we call these guys. I mean, it's just regurgitated talking points over and over. And this is a big one of them. A lot of our other pet peeves have been kind of along that same vein, but um, just they're, they're a physical. A, they're a physical team, physical. Mike. The, the physicality. We want yeah, to out physical this team. Yeah. yeah, they're a physical team. What what do you mean? Like they're just oh, this this team doesn't tackle as hard as this other team? What the fuck are you talking about? They're <laughs> they're a physical team. Yeah. Isn't yeah. everybody? What 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 does that mean? What do you th- what, what yeah. do you mean? Yeah. No, it, it, the thing that gets me about it though is when the you know the the new coach introduction and he comes in, like the old coach didn't want those things. The the old <laughs> co- you know. Right. You know, the old coach. Now, I, I want my team to be uh, less physical than the other team. We're gonna we're gonna try to run around them. Is what we're gonna do. We're gonna, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> regurgitated, non-original talking points. Chris, 
Yeah, I got one. I got one. Um, it sort of goes along the lines of this. The it's a little bit of the prevent defense kind of thing. And I'm talking specifically. And I was this is I was this happens a lot. But specifically, I was watching the uh, you know Kansas City Baltimore game last night, and it was right before halftime. Baltimore has the ball. They're down 21-14, I believe. Kansas City had the lead. And um, so what happens is um, right before the uh, the halftime, Baltimore has no timeouts. And so you figure like, well, all Kansas City, Kansas City has to do is keep them in bounds. You know, they can allow completions, but make sure they don't uh, get out of bounds and stop the clock. It's the only way they can stop the clock other than, you know, spiking the ball. So what happens Lamar Jackson is completing passes on the sidelines. Kansas City is basically just, for some reason, just giving up three points for whatever. Why? So they completed, I think it was two passes on that drive to get into, and Justin Tucker, who's the you know best field goal kicker in the league, doesn't matter. Anybody can make field goals now, you know, in, in 50 yards, whatever. And Kansas City is just allowing Baltimore to throw the ball uh, out routes, get out of bounds, stop the clock. They don't have to worry about spiking the ball, this and that. And sure enough, Tucker kicks the field goal and cuts it to a 21-17 lead instead of 21-14. And everything matters in these games, guys. The difference of the game, guess what? Baltimore ends up winning that game by a point last night, right? So and Dungy, so when they went to halftime, Tony Dungy mentioned it. He's like, I don't understand what Kansas City was doing, uh, you know, allowing uh, Baltimore to uh, complete passes and get out of bounds. Everyone does that, Dungy. <laughs> it happens all around the league. So what are you surprised about? Like, I, I watch these games, and I expect this shit. As I'm watching them, and I don't really care who wins that game. I really don't. But as I'm watching them, I'm like, well, Kansas City, just, you know, just make sure they don't, you know, don't, just, I would line up all my uh, cornerbacks on the sidelines and just force these guys inbounds. No one does it. Middle. They don't yeah. do it. I think Minnesota Viking fans might take a offense at the statement that all field goal kickers make uh, kicks. Uh. <laughs> <That's> true. Vikings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that sort of takes me to my pet peeve. So, you know, we saw some some games yesterday that had a ton of points. You know, Baltimore, Kansas City was one. Minnesota, Arizona was one. And you hear the announcers during these games. This is a great game. It really isn't a great game. Both of those games featured quarterbacks that threw pit, pick sixes. So mm-hmm. Kyler Murray, who everyone was raving about after the game, threw a pick six. And he threw a pick six on a pass that if Daniel Jones threw that pass, we would be ripping Daniel Jones. Lamar Jackson looked like crap in that first half. He threw a pick six, basically threw a pick six on like the second play of the game. (laughs) Um, You know, and and the thing is, because they're high scoring a lot of times, it's not because everyone's making plays. A lot of it is because they're calling penalties. They put people in position to to have like a five-yard touchdown. So you're manufacturing points, and and they're close games, but they're close games where teams are making a lot of mistakes. That, to me, is not great football. It, it's the football we've come to accustomed to. And I don't know if it's the fantasy football influence. I, I don't know what it is. But to me, you know, a great game would be a 10-3 a to 3 defensive battle where people aren't making mistakes rather than a 35-33 to 33 game where you've seen three pick sixes we've seen some fumbles we've seen missed field goals we've seen you know blown coverages that's that's really what it comes down to yet we hear about how great these guys are i i agree 100 percent, scott what bothers me in today's nfl is that it's always 
the last team that has the ball, it you it used to be. I remember like back, again. I'm like like I'm like going back to the 80s or 90s. Teams used to get stops at the end of the game. Remember it was that? difficult to come down and score on the final drive of the game via field goal or, or even even forget even needing a touchdown just to just to win or tie the game with a field goal. It seemed more often than not the defense made a stop. When did that happen in this day and age in the NFL where it's not even remotely expected that someone makes a stop at the end of the game? Oh, they Look, left him too much time. What are you talking about? There's like 32 seconds on the clock. How is that too much time? In the, but it is in this in in this day and age in this I, NFL. Make a I stop. Would, I would go back to the old rules I, in terms of letting defensive backs play. Either that or call the game so that only things that impact the play are called. There's way too many defensive illegal contacts, defensive holdings, things that, that extend drives. Think, think about during a game. If you have a defensive holding penalty, let's say you get three of them in a game. You've extended three drives. Yeah. Because it always happens on third down. We've talked about this. You don't see a first down defensive holding penalty. Nope. What's, what's first down the, the bastion? Holding. Of? That's the holding. Offensive hold. Offensive hold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Second twenty or first and first and twenty. Sorry. They despise the offensive holding call. But they figure first and ten, like ah, first and twenty. That way, the offense they still have, you know, they they can still manage to pick up this first down. Ah, you know what? Fuck it. We'll throw the we'll throw the uh, illegal contact when it's third and seven. How about we do that? Okay, all you know, they all huddle. Okay, ready, break. I can just <laughs> see the officials, you know, having their little powwow there. <laughs> I I just I I wish. The game would flow so much better, and I don't know understand why they don't realize this. If you let players make the plays and you decide only on those egregious calls that, that impact play. And again, offensive holding is is another one of those. Offensive holding, how often do we see guys getting mauled even on a, a clear path of the quarterback? No calls made, but then an ins, inconsequential second and seven running play picks up Six yards. Wait, wait a minute. Flag down. Holding 67. I I don't get the rhyme or reason of holding. Uh, by the way, that crew who did the Denver Giants game also did another game I watched this weekend, and it was the same deal with the roughing the passers and the it's crews. It, it really the, the crew that you get means it can hey, can totally. change the game. Tony Crenny's crew did the uh, Cowboys Chargers game, yeah, and it I, was a flag fest. I actually made a note that I do not want any part of Tony Crenny when we're playing the Cowboys. <laughs> oh God! Not like I have something to do with that, uh, you know, decision. But all right, we got two questions this week. Nice. Um, so right. uh, we'll start off with the first one. It's from the handle Fire DG Now. So I'm assuming that's mm. DG is Dave Gettleman. Dave Gettleman, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he's he says, how did Kansas City rebuild their offensive line in one season? We have it in a decade. I'll I'll, I'll, t- t- I'll toss that to Mike first. Yeah. So I uh, was watching the Kansas City Baltimore game last night, and I agree, uh, Fire DG, that I uh, when they were talking about how you know Kansas City revamped their entire uh, five new starters on their offensive line and. They're just like road graders plowing ahead. Uh, I was, I thought the same thing. Uh, the, the answer is, I don't know. Uh, I, uh, I think it's probably because we had other needs 
um, you know, outside of outline. But as you know, if you go back and listen to the recordings from the end of last year and and our draft uh, draft preview this year, I, you know, I can't believe we came into this year with the same offensive line or something even remotely close to the same offensive line. So uh, my answer is I have no idea. But uh, DG, if he doesn't get fired, ought to take a look at how they did that and see if he can uh, get something going. Although, you know, I'll say this. The offensive line this year has not even been remotely the problem. No, no. That, that's another thing, Chris. Another thing to add to what the mm-hmm. Giants did good in one game. The, off, the offensive line play was great. It really was. Again, inexplicable. Imagine, imagine prior to Thursday's game. If we, if someone handed you a list of all the things that were going to happen that we've yep. identified here tonight, which are yep. obviously uh, the most obvious of things, we, you know, you, you didn't have to like, you know, these are not insightful things that we're listing here. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, the, the, the wide open guy, the missed field goal. Hey, you're going to get a miss the turnover, you know, with less than two, with two minutes left to go in the game. Oh, the, you hand me all that stuff. Oh, the Giants win this game by, by 17 points. Yep. Nope. A great question by Fire DG there, by the way. So I'll, I'd like to just how do we fire? How do we? The question should be, how do we fire DG? <laughs> how do we fire this chop? I, I'll tell who's, you, I, I Mara, I think, can we, who, who's firing? D, can we uh, get rid of him? Did I? I, I, no, I had I a contrarian take on this. Oh, okay. Well, I mean. Kansas City's offensive line hasn't looked that great in the first two games, I didn't think. You know, I mean, think about think about they they struggled against Cleveland and they they str- they lost against Baltimore. If you don't have Mahomes back there, that that offensive line doesn't look nearly as good as it as it should. They mm-hmm. they have no running game to speak of, by the way. You know, th- those people who have Edwards Hilaire in their fantasy team or they're just watching football in general, the guy's not been impressive. Terrible fumble last night too. That's my take. I, I'm, I'm going to say this. I think, I think right now I'd put, well, I wouldn't put the Giants' offensive line on par with Kansas City's, but we'd also don't have Patrick Mahomes behind it. Um, but I will say this: that I, people are always looking at the results-oriented aspect of everything, mm-hmm. where instead of saying, "Are these guys really good offensive linemen?" Look at the, look at the end of last year when Kansas City had the the problems. Everyone overlooked it in the playoffs because they kept winning. Then it got to the Super Bowl. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. The offensive line is a huge problem. Yeah, well, you finally played a defense worth a damn. Results-based. It's it's the plague of the NFL. You're right about that. We have results-based officiating, too. Oh, did that field goal go in? No? Boop. All right. Uh, Give him another kick. (laughs) So I I went to the Clemson-Georgia Tech game this past weekend, and it was funny you said that, Mike, because there was one play where there's a the, the ref's watching the play happen, and he waits to see the receiver break a tackle and run downfield. Then he throws the flag as he's as he's running downfield to chase the play. And what does he come back to call? A holding. Now, why why did he throw the holding when it first happened instead of waiting to see if the receiver caught the pass and and, and whether or not he was going to break free? I, 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 I you know. It's almost like when the the officials huddled. I don't know if you guys saw the play where Justin Herbert backtracked, threw a ball. It didn't really come close to anyone. It probably should have been intentional grounding because it landed like two yards short of the line of scrimmage. But they ended up calling him in the grasp on a play where he wasn't even being contacted by the defender. He was throwing backwards. They said his forward motion had been stopped. 
Yeah, in the grass. And they, did they, and they made did they it up use after, that in the game? Did they, they actually said it in the game, but they said it, he was in the grass, but his forward, his forward motion stopped. And this was after they, they didn't throw the flag. They, they just got together and said, well, you know, hey, mm. hey. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to be on uh, just one of those guys. Somebody left their mic open in a game on week one, and, and they came yeah. out and said something like, we can't call that or something like that. And then the I referee made a funny that. face and turned his mic off. You know, like. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, you, you, results-based officiating. I mean, I, we got down this path, but, you know, a perfect example is that safety that should have ended the Tennessee-Indianapolis game. Now, Not that game ended for, in Tennessee's favor anyway. But if that game isn't to end the play, do they not call a safety there? I say they call a safety there. They just a, didn't want that game to end at a safety. It was a clear safety. Seattle lost. Yes. <laughs> we had to have a few more plays to uh, to settle that out. But, yeah, Seattle lost that game on the safety. By the way, Carson Wentz injured both of his ankles on the same both play. Both ankles. <laughs> it's, really, it's really tough to do. Both ankles. Was he playing at the vet, uh, the old, old, <laughs> the old Philly stadium? I heard a great injured talk. both ankles you know, the it carpet was... would just literally fall, roll up on you. Remember that? <laughs> That's a decrepit stadium. There was a great tweet by a, a Colts fan uh, this week that I saw. that said the thing about Carson Wentz is he makes so many plays that if I didn't tell you who it was, but just explain the play to you, you'd say that's Carson Wentz. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, no, that's, that's very accurate. <laughs> you know how this helps us possibly, though? If Carson Wentz has to miss significant time, that uh, will negate the or it will knock the draft pick going to the Eagles down a couple rounds. That'd be, that's always nice. Yeah, I think it becomes a, a second or a third round pick. All right, we got another question. This one is from one of our favorite guys. It's the mentalist. He's the one that brought us the Mount Crushmore question. Oh, love the mentalist. Still talk about after yes. uh, after hours. So um, I'm going to let Chris handle this one first. So Chris, this, I'm going to read this like a Mission Impossible. God. You are I'm handed ready. a single do-over for any move by a GM on Giants in Giants history. Just one. Which one do you choose? Ooh, that was a pretty good accent, by the way. That's... Yeah. <laughs> Talking with a deep voice, <laughs> and you didn't say that the card would self-destruct in ten seconds. I don't want it to blow up in my hand. <laughs> so, any this is, this is classic mentalist here with the. Uh, really delving deep into the cranium to come up with, uh, you know, some thought process here. So I'm the, so any undo any move, you know what, what actually what first came to mind was actually a, a coaching decision. Now it was a guy that was at the helm for two years. I'm talking about Ray Hanley. (laughs) You took mine. Are you serious? Go ahead. Keep going. That's everybody. All right. Well, if, again, well, Parcells kind of fucked the Giants a little bit, right? The legendary, the great, you know, legendary coach of Bill Parcells, who we love, you know, so much. You know, he de- decided to hang it up and, and leave the Giant head coaching position. I'm going back to 19, following the 1990 Super Bowl championship season. 
he decides that he's not going to be coaching the Giants that the next season in May, if I'm if I remember correctly. So the Giants now had to scramble for a head coach. Well, May, it's kind of, you know, you're already talking about um, you, you past the draft training camps right down the road. So, all right, someone in the organization decided Ray Hanley, who was the running backs coach, I want to say he was uh, he was an insignificant nobody on Parcells coaching tree. They had, that, that had a lot of great coaching uh, coaches under the Parcells tree. Ray Hanley was maybe the biggest schmuck of all of them. Somehow he gets elevated to head coach. Okay, fine. We were desperate. That 91 season, we were coming off a Super Bowl championship. We had all the leftovers uh, of, of a Super Bowl team. What does this asshole do with his first major decision? He Now, I, nothing against Jeff Hosteller, who I, who I did love the guy. He decides to put Hosteller in over Sims as the first major decision in 91 season. Fine. But I, you know, but that was bad enough. The Giants end up going eight and eight that season, missing the playoffs, of course. But the bad news, the the worst part about that, they bring him back a second year, and he's coaching on the sidelines in '92 as well. Which I think we went six and ten that year. We went from a championship team to eight and eight, and then to just a laughingstock at six and ten two years later with much of the same roster. Fucking disaster. Ray I'm Hammond, sure, my I'm sure I know what your redo would be. Hmm. From that, from that decision, or yeah, yeah, yeah. Who would you Hanley? hire instead of Hanley? Oh, oh, fucking Belichick. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God, Belichick, Bill Belichick was our <laughs> defensive coordinator it, 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 who uh, came up like, with the most genius game plan against the Bills in Super Bowl twenty-five. We had Bill yeah. Belichick. Am on I that. Re, am I rewriting history if I say Belichick was already gone in May? He was gone once they gave the job to, to Hanley. Once he knew Hanley was getting the job. Oh, okay. So I, uh, my my but, revisionist history said that Parcells kind of waited out Belichick, and when Belichick went to Cleveland, then he quit. Imagine we had. Imagine Belichick. Imagine Parcells just remaining on as head coach. Who knows what the Giants could have done in the next well, couple of years? Hanley won fourteen games in two years. You know that was a good roster. Yeah. How in the hell does Ray Hanley win 14 games in two years? <laughs> it's agonizing. You know, the funniest thing about Ray Hanley was the best thing they could come up with for him was he was a a clock management guru. Remember that? Oh, oh God. <laughs> and, then, and then the guy actually that? the guy actually lost games because of bad clock management. I'm like, he can't even manage the clock. How is he a guru of this? If you look uh, at those clips from like uh, the 90 Super Bowl team and maybe even the year before that, Hanley's always like right in Parcell's pocket so much. I thought he was like the cable management guy, you know, like, in, you know, uh -huh. like in college, the uh, coaches will have their daughters or something, you know, like make sure they don't the cables don't get in the way. I thought that's what uh, I thought that's what Hanley was until they made him a head coach. I'm like, is he the cable management guy? Is he the guy making sure Parcells doesn't trip over? All right, Mike. <laughs> What do you think uh, about the veterans question? Man, it is, it is, you know, that's a, that's a tough question without going back and, and thinking really hard about it. There's, there's a couple of, of draft picks. I know that uh, we made that some really great players went after. Um, I, I don't really, I can only think of one and that's because Chris gave it to me before we came on. <laughs> so, so I don't really want to use that, but I, I'll, uh, I think if I answer the question truthfully, if there's one huge glaring mistake a GM made, 
in Giants history was hi- hiring uh, Ray Hanley. I mean, I just can't get off of that. Yeah. Um, you know that that really that really stunted the growth of uh, of the Giants. So I should say the continued excellence of the Giants, which. I know we had a lot of older guys on that uh, 90 Super Bowl team, but we had some more years out of that thing. Yeah. And what's amazing, too, guys, is that Hanley, as soon as we dumped his ass, that we bring in Dan Reeves. Well, come on. Or, or, now you're taking mine again. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, All right. So, I'll just I'll shut up. Go ahead. So I'm a GM. I, hey, if I have to undo a, a situation that is not hiring Hanley, it's sure as fuck not hiring Dan Reeves because Dan Reeves made us the Jersey Broncos for how many years? Oh God! Brought, bringing in Mike Haran, David Treadwell, Arthur Marshall. <laughs> well, we immediately became a playoff team in Reeves' first season in '93. That was a good team. Was a good team. And then, and then after that, he brought in. You know, we had Dave Brown, and from that point forward, we were done. Uh, Maybe Dave Brown until we had Jim Fassel. Yeah. Actually, I, I going back. You know, if I'm a GM, I I don't mind the Dave Brown pick. I I I don't think he was a good fit for Reeves. I just I I never liked Reeves. Reeves to me was an egomaniac who came from from the Broncos, and and the reason he won in Denver wasn't because of his coaching. He won because of John Elway. Yeah, if you can't yeah. win with John Elway, who who could he win with? Well, he couldn't even win at all with John Elway. He had to wait till John Elway and Terrell Davis got. Oh no, that wasn't even him. <laughs> no, that wasn't even him. <laughs> that was another dude. Mm-mm. Oh, Shanahan, Mike yeah. Shanahan. Never mind. Yeah. Coach K's brother. Dan Reeves. Remember, he wore the suit in Denver, and then he kind of tried to loosen up when he was a Giants coach, and he just looked so awkward in like the NFL gear. You know, like he kind of did, right? He looked, yeah. He, you know, he looked like you know your dad. You get your dad the the uh, gaudy Giants coat for Christmas, and he only wears it when you're around. You know, that's what Dan Reeves looked like. It's like, yeah, I, my my kid bought me this. I got I got to wear this. Reeves is the equivalent of like, yeah, him wearing a suit on the sidelines in the NFL is like the equivalent of like the last helmetless hockey player in the NHL. You know what I mean? Like the last guy, maybe it was like Craig McTavish, I think, was the last helmetless dude. Ron Duguay on the Rangers with his ridiculous curly hair skating around Madison Square Garden back in the old days of the helmetless guy. Did Mike Nolan try to wear a suit for the 49ers? He had to get permission from the, the league, I think, to trot out wearing, a, you know, a, whatever, like a James Bond suit out there. Nolan's <laughs> running around in the thin tie, you know, back like the uh, the old Lombardi type of uh, short sleeve button down. Remember John Madden used to wear oh. Madden, yeah. Madden would wear the short sleeve button down with the thin tie where he wore the tie that went down to like his navel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The wide tie. Yeah. You know what? Like. Like Madden in that outfit, he remind he looked like Norm Peterson from Cheers. You know, <laughs> <laughs> how's life treating you, Normie? It's what a, up to Norm? Doggy dog world, Sammy. And I'm wearing milk bone underwear. <laughs> what are you up to, Norm? My ideal way to find seven foot seven. Go YouTube Norm Peterson's entrances on Cheers. There's an 18 minute video out there (laughs) and it has, I don't know how many episodes are on Cheers. It has every single one of Norm's in in chronological order. It's awesome. I highly (laughs) recommend that. If you're a Cheers fan, go YouTube this video of Norm Peterson's entering Cheers. It's every one of his greetings in the entire series. It's awesome. 
I have a pet peeve about Cheers. What the oh, hell did they? What did they film it in? Did they film it like the Charlie Chaplin style thing? If you if you watch the Cheers, it looks like it was filmed in the fifties. Like you watch a rerun of Seinfeld, it looks like it's from yesterday. <laughs> Go watch a rerun from Cheers. You're like, uh, is this the Honeymooners? <laughs> Colorized? Like one of those JVC handheld uh, camcorders? I mean, like one no, of those instead of no, the, like the quality's fine. It's that's just, what I mean. Like or, it's that old like style fuzziness. I don't know. You that's know what I mean? Yeah, it's like about? it's not the Panavision that we're used to or something. Like yeah, I, it's like hey. Cheers is actually like much older to us right now than the honeymooners was when we were growing up. Like you realize that like cheers is that's been on a long time ago. Yeah. Yep. They like when they show the NFL clips from, you know, it wasn't even that long ago. It was just with Facenda over them and the, you know, the, the style that they use. You're like, when did this game take? Was it? Why? When did this, mm-hmm. was this in the forties? Are we going to look back a couple of years from now and say that uh, one of the GM mistakes we should have overcome is not drafting Saquon Barkley and drafting a quarterback? Or I, I hope it's not that. Uh, I hope it's not the Joe Judge experiment. I hope it's – it'll never be Joe Judge because a much bigger mistake than Judge, no matter what, was McAdoosh. So there's no – McAdoosh. Mac- <laughs> Good God. You don't want to leave a team and your most famous thing is you benched a quarterback for no reason and broke his NFL record game started streak. That's <laughs> the only but thing. It, but you know what's bad, Mike? It's bad. Like, McAdoosh, as bad as he was, the guy squeezed out an 11 and 5 playoff appearance record in 2016. Think about it. Uh, I know. I mean, say what we want, but it's yeah. the, the idea of just making the playoffs right now. It's so far. It seems so insurmountable right now. It's incredible. Like it, that it can't even uh, foresee it. Right if now. I, if I had to use a cheers reference, since we were talking about the show, McAdoosh was like norm his first season. Then all of a sudden he transformed into Gordon Gecko his second season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was the guy that would show up at the end of the bar with the ill-fitting suit. Next thing you know, he slicks his hair back, you know, turns his back on everyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. You guys got anything else this week? Well, I, I, I sadly have to report that uh, Washington got their W back. So uh, we, we, we can't call them Washington until we beat them later in the year, which we will. Are they going to get a fucking mascot anytime soon? No, <laughs> I don't think so. I hope not. Are they just going to be the Washington football team for eternity now? I don't, I don't know. know, man. I don't know. I do have a um, being that we're playing the Atlanta Falcons coming up this week. I, I want to share a story with our listeners and with you guys as well, as you may or may not have heard this one. It's, it's a classic, actually. So I'm going to take you back to May of 1987. So we, bon 1987. Mm-hmm. So we are a few months still relishing in Super Bowl 21's victory, right? First Super Bowl victory in franchise history, feeling great about the Giants, the whole thing. So it's a Friday night. We are, it's, we're at my sister's rehearsal dinner in Red Bank, New Jersey. Friends and family all around. We're getting loaded up the night before the wedding. <laughs> my dad, his favorite drink was 
a Manhattan. It's my right? my so dad's like, favorite drink too. Yeah. Carl, so I, I, Carl liked the Manhattan. Absolutely loved Manhattans. So I'm gonna I'm gonna quote the late great Carl Vincent Cardone, and he had in, in a number of one-liners that we still use to this day, my friends and I. And, and um, he he came up with a great one at the bar that night. And um, so we're my dad was, you know, yucking it up with uh, family members, friends, the whole thing. He's holding court at the bar there, and we used to call him Piper because of his affinity for Rowdy Roddy Piper. But in any event, so, <laughs> so my dad is just. Yeah, my dad is just, you know, still smile on his face, talking about the Giants, how they're going to just, you know, the best team in the league. They're going to kick their ass. You know, we're going to kick ass. And, of course, 87 was the strike season. We, we didn't know it at the time in May. And in the middle of my dad just gloating about the Giants, came, you know, just buying rounds of drinks for everybody, having a great time. My uncle Gary, my dad's, this is my mom's brother. So my dad's brother-in-law, who really wasn't a, a football fan, you know, and – so as my dad is like just, just barking like you know talking to everybody at the bar, rah, 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 the Giants are love, you know they're, they're gonna uh, win the Super Bowl again. My uncle Gary slips in, taps him like on the shoulder, and says, you know, from behind, he's like, "Hey, Carl, you know Atlanta is supposed to have a pretty good team this year." My dad violently whips his head around and just goes, "What? Fuck Atlanta!" <laughs> It <laughs> goes right back to like slamming his Manhattan, barking. My uncle, I just, I, I overheard this whole thing. My friends and I were like, why? <laughs> my poor uncle Gary, like, didn't even know what hit him. You know, my dad was just, you know, when you're in, you have that adrenaline going, you can't, like, he was unstoppable that night. My dad. Yeah. So, and then, <laughs> funny. So every now and then, um, whenever Atlanta is the, the subject, my friends and I to this day still say, well, we got Atlanta this week. You know what? I'm not predicting a win or a loss, but I will say, fuck Atlanta. That's all I can say this week in homage to my, my dad and his great quote going back to 1987. Funny footnote to this. I looked up the 87 season. Atlanta Falcons were the worst team in the league that year at 3-12. and 12. So Uncle Gary, my dad was right. You didn't know what the hell you were talking about. Fuck Atlanta. Fuck Atlanta. So that's I'm gonna leave my our listeners with that going into this week. Win, lose, tie, they make you know, whatever. Just that's it. Fuck Atlanta. That's it. You know what you know what I'd like one of these days just to have an episode I could label as not explicit. <laughs> like I think we broke this one like uh ten seconds in. Yeah, I, I, I listened to the last episode. I I was like Cardone was last year. I think I dropped like 50 F-bombs. I, I was – and I wasn't – this this was before the, the Washington game, for God's sake. So. That, well, this Again, this team – you know, I was tempted to dust off my Plaxical Burst jersey this week because this team makes me want to shoot myself. It really does. <laughs> I mean, that's <after>, – <laughs> Now that's a good one-liner. <laughs> Might be using that one in the future. Uh-huh. I, uh huh. You know what? We, we I, this game and we are I can't even take credit for that one. You know why? Because I, I want this guy to keep pumping in questions and that. That came from the mentalist. The yeah. mentalist. That came from the mentalist. So I will give credit where credit is due, as always. And Mr. Mentalist, the mentalist. That is that was his line, yeah, and I stole it. If the medalist has a radio voice, we should have him on as a guest one of these times. Absolutely. Oh, he's absolutely. I'll have to bring an almanac with me if he's coming out here, you know, the sports <laughs> almanac. I feel like, like I let, 
Dude, he's he's like Stump the Schwab, I'm telling you. It's yeah, Stump the Schwab. Remember Stump the Schwab? Like, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Down. The Schwab was such a hump, too. He was, he was a dick. <laughs> he was a bigger dick than Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Arrogant, like, pompous asshole. He was. Why did they put that fucker on TV? Couldn't they have gotten a guy, like, the Schwab could be in the back answering the questions, but just put it in an earpiece and let someone who looks like a fucking human being uh, answer the questions. <laughs> I'm led to be- I'm led to be- we're led to believe that nobody was feeding Schwab the answers to the- to some of these trivia questions. Uh, come on, there were some that they- were so ridiculous. He was naming like Ch- Czechoslovakian Olympians like, <laughs> who were who were winning gold medals in 1936. Get the fuck out of here! Come on. <laughs> what? 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 You don't know Marek Chasakova? Or better yet, the uh, or like what's what's his name? Uh, the Van Buren boys were. Uh, who's your quick? Who's your favorite chess player? Right. <laughs> <laughs> what country is he from again? I, I don't know. I made it up. <laughs> Stephen Corin. Solid two point oh. Yeah, he won the Susan Ross scholarship. <laughs> Great point average. A solid you know two point Not falling behind. Not showing off. <laughs> <laughs> got anything else mike now do we get uh do we get evan ingram back this week i heard I evan ingram might come back this week which i actually wouldn't mind i i, I think against atlanta that's a good matchup for him well, if he comes back and we have like three turnovers then then we'll start to uh notice the pattern of uh <laughs> mike you how much more angry can you make me if if, if ingram comes back and the first ball that goes off his fingertips, oh, my God. You're going to hear me scream all, uh, up and down the entire East Coast, dude. <laughs> That's all what right. I need. Well, we we are the three Angry Giant fans. This has been your host, Scott, Mike, Giant Mike, and Cardone. Uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, hopefully a lot less angry. And I'll tell you what, if, if we lose it against Atlanta, not only – <laughs> well, the season be on the brink, but uh, I'm not sure how many followers we'll still have after that. I mean, I, or, or the I, Giants as a whole. Uh, yeah, I think that will. I think actually that people tune in more when they're angry. I think people. I mean, we. You know, last week was a good week for us. I think that that angry people is good for listening. You know, Rush Limbaugh used to say his best ratings were when the Democrat was a president. It's kind of the same deal. Like if the Giants are on cruise control, you know. Nobody cares, but they, they're on the, another kind of cruise control right now. Relentless losing cruise control. But Mike is mm-hmm. Mike. Mike knows this. This is like my my curve of drinking. There's a curve where I'm going good. I'm going good. I'm going good. And I hit a cliff that I just drop off of. Oh, yeah. And, and that's what I think the Giants are at right now. They're, there's some enthusiasm, enthusiasm, enthusiasm. And once they lose a certain amount and they keep losing like this, there's a cliff that people drop off of. They're like, fuck this team. I'm not going to listen to anything. Uh, yeah. If yeah. we go 0 and 3 against Denver, Washington, and Atlanta, um, oh, I, we're, we're set up for like a 2 3 win season. Let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah. If, if that, we're, I mean, we're, we're not so much worried about uh, Chicago's draft pick then as ours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which Chicago won, by the way. That's uh, ah, yeah, yeah. did suck. But, but Justin like, Fields, Justin yeah, Fields looked horrible. Fields is the starter going forward, I guess. So we, we should that should be a top ten pick. 
We <laughs> <laughs> have two picks in the top ten. All right, guys, Twitter us. You could be our friends. You could follow us. It's angry underscore three. The three is spelled out. T H R E E. Send in some questions. We got two questions this week. Let's uh, let's aim for some more questions next week. Mentalists, send them in. Um, meanwhile, work on your uh, radio voice. We'll uh, we'll talk about getting a guest spot. So uh, everyone, take care. We'll uh, see you next week. Have a good week, everybody. Good week.